Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're in Joshua chapter 10, continuing the war for the southern arena in the land of Canaan, or as some would call this, the southern campaign, the taking of the southern area. We saw five southern kings form together in a coalition against the people of Gibeon, and Gibeon calling to Joshua for help. Joshua Uh, being faithful to the covenant that Israel had made with Gibeon, coming up, marching all night to reach uh, the cities of Gibeon. And then we, we finished up last time by talking about the Lord attacking the Canaanites, specifically the Amorites of the hill country in the south, and the way that he confounded their uh, thinking, confused them, and uh, it says, The Lord slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. The Lord pursued them, and Israel pursued them. And then the Lord throws down large hailstones from heaven on them, uh, and more die from the hailstones than would die from the sons of Israel killing them with the sword. We saw the connection between uh, the Lord sending down hailstones and this being directed at uh, Baal, the, the god of the storm in Canaanite mythology. As we begin here, I just want to say one additional word about that. Um, they did not separate, the people of the ancient world in their minds, did not separate between the physical world and the spiritual world in the same way that we do today. In their thinking, If their city is going to war against another city, the God of their city is going to war against the God of the other city or multiple gods. Um, And so in their thought process, uh, these five kings and their kingdoms coming up against Israel, they are fighting not only the people of Israel, but the God of Israel. There's a, a link between the physical and the spiritual, and their gods are battling uh, the God of Israel. So what we see in the Lord throwing down stones should have been clear to them that the God of the people of Israel is stronger than Baal, our God, who's supposed to be in control of storms and crazy hailstones. But now the God of Israel is throwing down hail on us. And now we're going to see in verses 12 and following, the Lord is not only attacking the Amorites, he's attacking the gods of the Amorites also. Verse 12, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, now we have this poetic interlude that's included here. And we will actually find out at the end of this poem, this is from another piece of literature that was taken by the author and inserted here into the biblical text, very interestingly. So this is what Joshua said in poetic form. O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon, in the valley of Ijalon. So the sun stood still, 
and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. So what's going on here in verses 12 and following is we have record of Joshua asking the Lord to halt time so that the people of Israel could continue to pursue the Amorites as they're fleeing and cut them down and and wipe them out as they're running away. And what the Lord allows to happen is this to take place so that very rapidly these kings and their armies are destroyed. And then as a result of this, the southern arena is taken very, very quickly. So Joshua speaks to the Lord and he says, O sun, stand still at Gibeon and O moon in the valley of Ijalon. So what he's asking is that the Lord will slow time, stop time uh, to continue to allow this war to take place. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Now, a couple of notes here. First of all, just as we saw the Lord throwing down hailstones from heaven and the connection with the Canaanite god Baal, There's probably a connection here between God being powerful over the sun and over the moon and causing these things to stand still and the gods of the Canaanites. In Canaanite mythology, the god of the sun was Shemesh or Shamash, and the god of the moon was Yara. And uh, to take these two and make them stop, again, shows the Lord's authority over uh, heavenly bodies that the Canaanites typically um, attributed to their gods. So this was a demonstration to everyone, the gods of the Canaanites, the Canaanite people, and Israel, that uh, the Lord is sovereign over all. He is the one who makes the sun rise and makes the sun set from our perspective. We know that the earth turns on its axis. So what the Lord is really doing here from a scientific perspective was slowing the earth on its axis and making it stop somehow with having everything, uh, without having everything fly off the planet. Incredible that the Lord could accomplish this And as the author says here, there was no day like it before or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man. Now, this poetic piece here, it says, the author says, is it not written in the book of Jashar? Uh, This book, we don't have uh, remnants of it. But we do have in Scripture portions that are cited here. There's also, uh, I believe, something in the book of uh, Samuel or Kings that refers to the book of Jashar also. This would have been a 
book perhaps used by Israel or maybe uh, other people groups in the ancient world that talked about some of the events, recorded the events in Israel's history. And so the author of Joshua here is making use of this other text, this other book, to bring in this passage uh, because it's already been written down and now makes use of it to, to tell us what happened when Joshua asked the Lord to make the sun stand still. We have further in verse 13, uh, what happened was the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. So in other words, instead of a normal uh, 24-hour cycle, the Lord halts the heavenly bodies from their perspective, halts the rotation of the earth so that the people of Israel can continue to do battle and pursue their adversaries all the way down into the southern arena to some of these cities that they're originally uh, coming from. What does this tell us? It tells us that the Lord is in absolute control, sovereign control over all things. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He put the earth into its position and caused it to rotate on its axis and caused it to move around the sun in its cycle. And he is the one who can supernaturally halt these things, allowing for Israel to make war on the people of Canaan. And really, God is at war. The Lord is at war uh, with the people of Canaan, bringing his judgment down upon them at this time. We noted last time that this was probably when, when Joshua heard, I think, when he was at the camp at Gilgal, that Gibeon was being attacked by five different kingdoms. He probably thought, oh boy, here we go. This was not the way that I wanted this war to go. I wanted to, to tackle one city at a time, one kingdom at a time. But oftentimes the Lord doesn't do things according to our plans. And so he uses this event in the history of Israel to allow them to conquer the entirety of the southern arena very, very quickly. Not only that, but if you've been following along with us in this series, we saw that Gibeon in chapter 9 of Joshua deceived Israel, and Israel didn't do what they should have done. They didn't inquire of the Lord, and as a result of that, they made this covenant with Gibeon, and so there was sort of this setback at the time of Gibeon's inclusion in the camp of Israel. But here in chapter 10, God uses the Gibeonites as the mechanism for bringing these Amorites to fight against Israel. And through Gibeon is able to use that event to allow Israel to conquer the entire southern arena very, very rapidly. So the Lord makes something good come from something very bad and uh, at best 
something that should not have taken place in the way that it did. The Lord is not phased by the evil actions of human beings or our missteps. He can still work his uh, good and pleasing and perfect will even through uh, the difficulties presented by sin in this world. So the Lord is able to allow Israel to conquer everything rapidly at this time, even halting the sun and the moon in the sky. Now, verse 15 says, Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. I think this is really where the chapter could end. Verses 16 and following down to verse 43, the end of the chapter, all take place now prior to verse 15. So the author is going to go back now and tell us everything that happened as they were pursuing their enemies, as they were fighting against the people in the southern arena. And then Joshua goes back to the camp at Gilgal. So looking at verse 16 and following, now these five kings, remember these are the five kings uh, under Adoni Zedek of Jerusalem that had uh, come together. They had fled and hidden themselves in the cave at a city called Makeda. And it was told Joshua saying, five kings have been found hidden at the caves at, at Makeda. So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and assign men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies and attack them in the rear. Do not allow them to enter their cities for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. I think all of this is taking place while the people of Israel are pursuing their enemies. They come across this cave where these five kings have hidden out. And Joshua says, roll up stones in front of the cave. We'll come back and deal with them later. Verse 20, and it came about when Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished slaying them with a very great slaughter until they were destroyed. And the survivors who remained of them had entered the fortified cities that all the people returned to the camp at Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one uttered a word against any of the sons of Israel. So now that they're done uh, with the conquest, they go back to Makeda. And in verses 22 and following, uh, we will find out what happens when Joshua opens the mouth of the cave. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu partner.